Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Williams, and joining me today is Christoph Katzbeck. Hey, Jay. How's it going? It's good. I'm, I'm feeling a little sore this morning. Feeling sore? Just a little bit, yeah. Did you work out? I did, yeah. I'm feeling sore. Did you do a workout? <laughs> well, I'm old, so my workouts are different. I'm- I'm not laughing because I didn't think you did a workout. Yeah, I don't know how to feel about that. felt like you were fishing for something there. That's after the sermon, too, of like the fat, happy, contented sheep. And people were, yeah. Yeah. Listen, I getting up out of bed, like I have no range in my shoulder. Like I can't. Oh, Jay. I can't even. I'm I'm an old man. I I have I have finally gotten to the point where like things pop all the time. Where like you just hear like a click. You like get out of bed and like you bend your knee and it's like pop. Like oh, all right, okay, that was there. Okay, that's so entry level old person stuff. At least at least I'm I'm getting there. I feel like I'm finally like. That's not that barely even counts. Well, I'm trying. That's I'm trying. You're trying to be like the rest of us. Trying, trying to listen. Wait till wait till you have to make the noise getting up. So true story. Last night at a at a. Um, the boys basketball game I was taking some pictures and I was sitting on my rear end by the baseline Okay, and I'm taking pictures and then I decide that I want to get up <laughs> okay <laughs> and I legitimately started to get up and thought oh I can't do that because of my shoulder and then I couldn't do the other I couldn't go the other way because the bag was slung over I was like it's like a turtle on his back. You were, I, you were I, I, sitting. I, uh, sitting. Sitting, okay. And I literally was like, I don't know how I'm going to get up. And that was the first time I th- I thought, I don't know if I can get up. And like, oh, there are all these people around. Oh, Jay. But I did. I, I, I gathered myself and I thought, okay. And I it just took a lot of thought. We're going to get, get you like a life alert for, but for getting is, out of bleachers at sporting, listen, sporting events. This is, this is what it's like to get older when you have to give thought to... Like there are these different stages, right? Like you're now old enough where you have to give thought to make sure you're prepared to do a workout. Yeah. Like you can't yeah. just roll out of bed and just go full speed. You gotta. It's true. You have to warm yeah. up. When you're 15 or 16, you just roll out of bed. Like I coached an eighth grade basketball tournament this weekend, and those kids just doesn't matter what happened. Of, they yeah, roll out of bed yeah. and they're just sprinting. You know, they're like whatever. No, yeah. we're gonna run. So you're at that stage where you have to give thought to that. But you know you're getting old when you have to give thought to just normal movements. Like I have to stop and think like, oh, how do I get out of bed so that this doesn't hurt? How do I get up off the floor so that this yeah, doesn't hurt? That's that's fair. I feel like I'm I feel like I'm starting to get to the point where I should uh begin to be giving thought. So like this morning after after I worked out, it was like uh we did a lot of like squats. We did a lot of like air squats. A lot. So my legs were really tired. And, um, yeah, it's really tough squatting air. What's so heavy. Jay? Don't don't even so don't heavy. don't even Jay. Uh, it's a weird weird brag, right? But my there. my my uh, my Shiloh, who is five, yeah, uh, she she loves it when I carry her downstairs when she wakes up in the morning. She will sit at the top of the stairs and wait for oh. and she will wait for me to get home, and then she whistles for me. She has a whistle for me, which makes me feel really good. I know, yeah. Um, but so I, like I ran, I, I, I ran up the stairs to go get her, and then I picked her up, and then I started going down the stairs, and I almost, I almost like both of us were almost going down because I didn't think ahead of time, and I was like, oh, eh, yep, eh. yep. So, so you're saying she think. has she has a whistle for you, yeah, and when she whistles, you, yeah, you come to that, yeah, yeah well. So you'd say she's like your shepherd. Oh, I would. But you I do know, know a, I do know a better. You recognize shepherd. that whistle. I do know a better shepherd. In yes. fact, I would say I know the best shepherd. Right, but I'm just saying you'd know the whistle. 
I would. But you yeah. wouldn't go for somebody else's whistle. Like if the neighborhood kid whistled, you'd be like, no, mm, well, nope. no, 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 because because nope. I know I know the Shiloh. whistle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was part of the passage of this weekend. But it's but a two-parter, right? It is a two-parter. Yeah. Well, because yeah, you've got this. This is a nested metaphor. That, I, what does that mean? Well, then one metaphor nested in another. That oh, okay, okay, I got you. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I'm sure, like eighty percent of our listeners probably grasp that. Well, I didn't consider me part of the twenty percent. You in the twenty. You in the twenty. I'm with the old people. <laughs> you're with the the slow to grab the we're, grasp. The. We're getting there. Um. So yeah, they it, it's it's one of those strange. It's not strange, but it is an interesting one where, like the other ones are all very straightforward. It's all about this one this specific this specific metaphor. metaphor. Yeah. But this is a one where even when I said it and when I told you know our staff and we tell people like Jesus saying I am the door that like takes people a second to go wait. Which one is that? We're very familiar. I'm the light of the world. I'm the vine. I'm the way, truth, and life. I'm the good shepherd. I, like th- there are all of those. I'm the bread of life. These are all ones that if you had people rattle off the seven and just try to think of all seven, there's a good chance that this is the one that people would struggle to like remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's because it's in the midst of the good shepherd metaphor. So before and after Jesus is referring to himself as the shepherd, but when they when they don't understand what he's saying, he switches metaphors and now he becomes he's also the door. Yeah. Or the gate. Yeah. I love that because I yeah, I, I was I as I was listening listening to you preach, I I loved as as the um picture was forming in my mind and you were you were talking first a little bit about I am the shepherd and talking about, you know, the, he, the, the sheep know his call. Um, but then moving towards the gate, you often, at least me in my mind, I was thinking of like the shepherd, Jesus opening the gate and leading us in and out of the pasture. And then to kind of have that moment where he's like, well, he's not only the shepherd, he is, he is the door as well. Um, and, and just the, I mean, there was, there was so much behind that, but I think one of like the first things you started to talk about, and I'd love maybe to unpack a little bit, because I think it's something that we wrestle a lot with is like this idea of it being both radically exclusive, but also radically inclusive. Mm-hmm. Like that, that statement of Jesus saying, I am the door, like really perfectly captured that. Yeah. Well, I mean, every I am statement has a mark of exclusivity to that's it. That's true. Yeah, it's true. And so that's going to be a theme that we'll revisit and most of, I mean, for example, when the I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the yeah, Father that's, that's but through pretty, me. Pretty explicitly pretty, exclusive. Pretty, yeah. yeah. So I'll probably unpack, like when we get to that, we'll probably unpack the exclusivity a little bit more. But I, but here, I, because of the point that I was really wanting to drive home was that whatever, whatever you are seeking for salvation or for pasture, it's going to be through Jesus. That's what's. That's where you're going to find that, and you're not going to find it going anywhere else. And I was really trying to. I wish I would have. It, you know, this is one of those times where I feel like the sermon didn't really get boiled down to. One of the things I always want people to think about is when they're writing a sermon or preaching a sermon is have one big idea. You have three points or whatever, but you're really driving home one big idea that you really want people to come back to, and and you could summarize it in. And for me, this time, it really, it took a long time for it to finally get filtered down to, okay, this is really what, and in fact, it was even on Sunday morning where it was really coming into clear focus of, okay, what, how do I 
preach this in a way that it'll be helpful. Um, and if I could get, and if there's one thing that I could have people leave with, it would be this idea of like, whatever it is you're searching for, like rather than getting fixated on how you should be getting those things or any of that, like the first step is it's going to be through Jesus. Yeah. You're not going to find anything that you, you're not going to find any green pasture that is good um, through another door than Jesus. And you're not going to find salvation through any other door than Jesus. And I think that's actually a really basic idea that when I think on my life that, that I miss a lot, like, I think it's really common for us to pursue something to think about, say your job or whatever, or even family or whatever, any of those things. And to, and I didn't get to go into this in the sermon, but to be able to say, to use a different door. And even if that door is say, for example, biblical principles, right? So I could say, okay, I want to pursue, I want to pursue success in the workplace. And so I'm going to do it in a way that honors Jesus, you know, by making sure I do it in a way that, you know, like with honesty or integrity and all those things. And those are great things. Like those are great characteristics, but you're not going to find fulfillment or meaning or satisfaction in your work by just going about it according to Christian principles. You're going to find it through daily obeying Jesus and going through him to it. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I know it's a subtle difference, but it's an important difference because that's what guards us from the idea of, well, I did everything the right way and then it didn't work out. Well, when somebody says that about their business, like we did everything the right way. Like we were, we were honest. We were, you know, we cared for our customers. We like, and they list all these Christian attributes and then they say, well, but my business failed you're still then looking to the success of that business as your fulfillment. Yeah. And you're trying, yeah. so you're saying, this is what's going to satisfy me is a successful business. And so I'm going to honor God. I'm going to do it God's way by living up to these different attributes. But I'm still, what I'm pursuing for pasture, the door that I'm actually going through is the successful business. As opposed to if I'm going through Christ for my fulfillment and meaning and, and satisfaction in that the running of the business might look really similar, right? Like caring sure, for your yeah. customers, handling yourself with integrity. But if the business fails, that is inconsequential to my fulfillment in it because I've already been fulfilled in Christ in it. And now I'm able to glorify God. Even if my business fails now, like I'm still abiding with Jesus. Like I'm still, he's still with me. Like the business can fail, but Christ is still with me. And so if my satisfaction if the pasture that I found is through him, then I still have pasture, even though the the business may fail. Yeah, man, that's that's such a good point. The, the business metaphor, too, is really good because there's a lot of, um, just even as you're mentioning it, a lot of uh, shared value, not shared, I, I guess shared, shared values among, um, you know, people who aren't Christians who start businesses, right? right? And they will do all those things. And they'll say, well, I was honest and I was, you know, care for my customers, all those things. And some succeed and some fail, Right. And they could they could have all of these quote unquote Christian values, um, but like you were saying at the end of the day, like it's not necessarily those things that are the door. 
it is that is that obedience to Jesus and like it, it, it the, the word that was boiling in my mind as you were saying all that was was contentment right of just being content right. you were saying abiding in, in just in Christ knowing that um he's in control because you know if the business fails he's still in control there's like he he's there's some sort of redemptive work that's being done no matter what we're going to trust we're going to trust that and just continue moving forward and if the business succeeds awesome all the glory to God like same way um we're going to trust him and continue to you know, obey and, and, and abide and, and find contentment in him. Um, how do you, like, how do you cultivate that though? Like what, what is, what is that? Like, so that's great. It feels like a very, um, uh, abs- not abstract, but like, h- how do you, uh, grow in that then? Because it's very easy to say, okay, well, be honest is, you know, just don't lie and be honest. Right. But like, what does, what does somebody, and you might use the same metaphor of like the workplace or not, what does it look like for somebody then to abide in him in such a way as to see him as the door and not these different principles or these different things? Well, I think, so again, I think the the, the contrast is like where, so the door, the, the metaphor of the door is going through that is where you'll find salvation and pasture. Yeah. So the door wouldn't be the honesty or anything like that the door for on one hand would be in the business metaphor the door would be a successful business okay so like if somebody says okay if i could just be a success in the workplace then i will find pasture and salvation like through that so 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 think of it just in a strictly secular way when somebody says if i could just um there's a big thing about financial freedom so if i could just be financially free what we're really saying then is that that is my salvation and that is green pasture. That's where I find freedom and hope yeah. and joy. Like and everything that I want is found through financial freedom. Well, then financial freedom is your door. Yeah. As opposed to saying and practicing, no, Jesus is the door. So as long as I am with Jesus, like as long as I'm abiding in him, so I'm, I'm answering this in two parts. Yeah. One is the yeah. back to the foundational principle, the idea as long as I'm abiding in Jesus, then that's where I'm going to find everything I want, whether that's through financial, whether I'm, you know, financially successful or whether I have nothing, whether I, my business is successful or it fails, whether my, um, my family is healthy or they're not like whatever it is. Like I know that if I'm abiding in Jesus, that's where like, I gotta be with Jesus. Um, Another, another maybe illustration to prove that point or that would give us something that feels more tangible that we could be like, oh yeah, for sure. Imagine, imagine you're going to go on vacation. Like if you were going to go on vacation with your family and there's a difference between you say like, okay, we're going to Florida and you go to the airport and, um, all the flights are canceled, but they are able to get one of you on the next flight. Like they finally open it up, but they're like, hey, we only have one seat. Now, in that moment, my guess is that you're going to say, if the choice for you is the choice between going to Florida by yourself or figuring out a an audible and you know getting a hotel that has a swimming pool or whatever with your family, right. you're going to stay and with your family because the hope of the vacation – like the pasture of the vacation is not the destination. It's not, it's not the vacation itself. It's 
with your it's being with your family. I mean, it depends on how cold it is outside. It does you know? it probably depends. What, what, what part and, of the year and how much you're, this, the kids are fighting? <laughs> for me, for sure, there'd be there are definitely <laughs> moments where I'd be like, "Give me the seat later." Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. like that idea where you're saying, "Well, no, obviously, where I'm gonna actually find what I'm looking for in this is through this relationship, mm-hmm. not." It's not about the destination. Now, would you rather go on that destination with that relationship? Sure. Yeah. And so that's why like, I would never, if I was starting a business, I would never hope that it fails. Like I'd never be like, man, I hope this, I hope this right, fails. Right. Like, I want yeah. it to succeed. Yeah. But the most, but, but I know where I'm going to find green pasture is not in the successful business. It's through Jesus and abiding in him. And that's what makes Christians in the early church so so bulletproof. Like that's what Paul means when he says to live as Christ and to die as gain. What he knows is being with Christ in both of those scenarios. When he says to live as Christ to die as gain, well, what's gain about dying? You just be with Jesus, right? So either way, what he's saying is like, either way, I have Christ, and as long as I have Christ. That's what he means when, he, when we're getting to get, go through Philippians, when he says, I can do all things through him who gives yeah. me strength. He's saying, like, if I have Christ, then I've, I have everything I need. And so everything else around me is just, it's circumstantial. It's not, it's not the door through which I find my identity or find my hope or find any pasture or salvation. So practically, there is no, there's no shortcut to just the idea of practicing the presence of God, of abiding in Jesus. We have for so long communicated Christianity as a set of beliefs and a set of actions that we've missed the whole point of the relationship. Even in the 50s and the 60s, when we'd say it's not a religion, it's a relationship. Well, we we finally turned the corner on that when it came to salvation and like sharing the gospel, but then ditched it immediately after someone's saved. Right? So, for a long time, the problem was you'd share the gospel with a non-Christian, but the gospel was start coming to church and get your life right. But then Billy Graham and others came along and were like, no, that's not actually salvation. Salvation is in this relationship with God reconciled through Jesus Christ. Yes, amen. The only problem was once you prayed that prayer, then it went right back to, and now go and do right, all the things right. that you're supposed to do. Come to church, don't do, stop you know, stop swearing, start like giving. And, and we, then we ditch the whole relationship. So it's like, you just need the relationship for that moment of salvation. And then the rest of it is back to, back to works. And what we want to push for is no, it's a relationship always a relationship with God and a relationship with others. Always. I, I really like, and I know you mentioned a little bit ago, but that, that airport analogy just to help, kind of put into words we we oftentimes get really wrapped up in the destination and and I, like it really does feel like that whole it's not about the it's not about the destination it's about the journey um and it feels like and i'm even thinking about this with my with myself is like the moments in my life where i get the most anxious when i get the most stressed out when i tend to um yeah just just is is when i am worried more on the destination uh than i am necessarily getting there right and um, in so that's, that's really clicking with me right now. Why, like, why, why are we, as people, 
why, why do we get so wrapped up in the des- in the destination? Like, why why do we get to that point where it's not necessarily, um, you know, with, with the vacation, the vacation was just a good example because there are some people who, um, who who like, f- yeah, the point is the the family, but they get so wrapped up in the like being in Florida or being in Hawaii or being wherever they are that they they end up missing the whole opportunity. Like, there's a whole movies that are made off of that trope, right? Of just like right. missing missing the journey because you're so focused in on the destination and then you end up getting like, you know, stealing from CS Lewis. You get neither, you get neither. If you, if you aim for, yeah. for one, why, why are we so obsessed with that? I, it's a great question. Can you please solve the problem well, of humanity? I mean, Jay? this is, I think what, why it's such a great question is because yes, a million times over, that's what we do constantly. And you, you pointing that out about movies is so true that like how many movies, secular movies have the plot line of, like they, the family, like, is going through whatever this thing is, and at the end, the big lesson is: as long as we're together, yeah, yeah, and that's all we need. Yeah, we, we didn't need this vacation. We didn't need you know whatever these other things are. We didn't need the success. We didn't need whatever at the end. We didn't need perfect obedience. What we needed was to be together and. I think it's it's because it's wired in us and our rebellion. This is what the root of our rebellion is just, but I know a better way. So all the way back to the garden. Like, that that, true? What yeah. a great example. Yeah. I wish I would have put this in the sermon, but here you go. Here's another illustration. Right. I had it actually in my notes and I didn't use it, but we're getting some of the B sides. Um, all right. Yeah. It'd be a little extended play here, but the garden Eve's issue. It's, the issue wasn't that she wanted knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil, or that she wanted to be like God. Those are the things that it describes Eve as what she wanted. The issue was she didn't go through God as the door to mm. that. Well, that the part that yes, it, so, the part that like is crazy to me is like the promises you'll be more like God, right? Or you'll you'll be like right. God, but like. That was already baked into her creation. It was baked into her creation. Yeah. And not only that, but think about this. So the two things she wants are knowledge and to be like God. Well, what what is sanctification? Yeah, right. Like understanding and becoming like God. So so it's not the thing that she wanted that was the problem. It was the door that she went through to get it. Yeah. The door she went through to get it was a side door. It was a side of the, the gate. It wasn't the door. God tells us, like James says, any of you lack wisdom, ask God. And he generously provides. So yeah. so the idea of all Eve had to do in that moment would be when when Satan is tempting her is to say, Well, yeah, that sounds awesome. I'd love to I'd love to have knowledge and I'd love to but there's only one way that's good to get that, and it's through God. So imagine if she would have turned and just said, Yeah, I'm gonna go ask God. And then she goes, hey, God, can, can I know, can I know more things? You know, can I have wisdom? Can I, you know, and he would have given her whatever was good, you know, for her to have. And I, so as to why it's just, I mean, there's, there isn't a better answer than it's just our own stubborn hard heartedness and rebellion that says, well, I don't want to, I don't want to go through that door. Who are you to say I can't go through another door? I've got other ideas of what other doors and and what's even more sinister about it, it's one thing when a, you know, a non-Christian does that. 
But as Christians, when we're doing that, it's almost like we're telling God, like, no, 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 trust me, I got another way to do this. And then, you, like, what do we think the end is, is going to be there? Right. Like, is God going to say, you know what, you were totally right. That was a completely yeah, other yeah. legitimate door. Well done. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let's, we'll, from now on, we'll put that out there for everybody else. You well, know? Isn't it, isn't it so funny? Silly. We, we don't, we don't, uh, this is something you, you said recently and has just really stuck with me is like, we, we oftentimes don't even think through, like, if I actually got the thing that I wanted, what, like, it would actually, like, would I even be able to handle it? Mm. Right. And so then we're like, we're aiming for this destination. I feel like we're adding on to this now. We're at, we're aiming for this destination. We're going through the wrong door. And then we don't even know what to do when we actually get to that destination. So if you were to even take like that whole like vacation idea and like you do bail on your family to go down to Florida, just your, just your seat. And you're like, well, now what? <laughs> right. What, what do I do now? I, I'm just thinking of uh, the, the, the imagery that comes into my mind. This is me going into youth pastor mode for just a moment is like, if you remember in middle school, um, I just I remember in middle school so badly wanting to have a girlfriend, right? Like in middle school, you're like, oh, if I had a girlfriend, I'd be so cool. And some people they don't, but like for me, I was like, I want to have a girlfriend. And then like you like you end up asking this girl, you like you like stress about it, you you worry about it, you ask her out, and then you just like then like oh yeah, she's your girlfriend, and you don't talk to her for two weeks, and then like she, you get like a note passed you like we're, we're breaking up, and you're like oh okay, you, know, you don't even like you just there's like no comprehension of like what to actually like what that yeah. actually looks like. Uh, when you actually get the thing that you want. Right, because if you get the thing that you want that's apart from God, it's not a good gift. Right, yeah, exactly. Like everybody, we all understand that that most of most of the things that are sinful, that we think of as sinful, are things that we grab illegitimately. Like we we grab apart, it's, it's like, and there's no joy with that. So I've used this illustration before, but if, if I bought ice cream for my kids and they, they don't know they don't, then I'm planning like a big ice cream party for them. But then they, in the afternoon, like go out there and sneak, like sneak the ice cream because they're like, well, I want ice cream and ice cream tastes good. They're missing out on the actual joy of that gift. That's not going to produce joy in them. It's going to, it's going to produce shame. It's going to produce guilt. It's going to like, then imagine I go to like get the ice cream for the ice cream party and it's all gone. It's like scooped out of it. it. Like it's an illegitimate desire um, or fulfilling of what is meant to be a good gift. So whether it's food or sex or success or money or any of those things in Christ, those are all, like given to us by God through Christ are those are all gifts. Right. But they're but to grab them illegitimately or to pervert them to to meet my own kingdom in the way that I think that they're best used, that's when that's when we have sin. And the sin is is not just the action of what how you're perverting it. It's the fact that you perverted something that was meant to be good and beautiful. Right, that that's what makes it truly evil because then that's what brings destruction and and why what was meant to be good is actually becomes something that harms and and hurts people because it's it's used in an illegitimate way. And so that's going through those things as a door rather than rather than going through Jesus and saying, Okay, well whatever you know, I use the example of like a college choice or 
you know, a marriage choice or anything like that. Well, whatever the answer is, it's going to be found through Jesus. There's not going to be a way, there's not going to be something that I'm supposed to have or that would be good for me that I'm going to be able to go about it in a different way. So one, you know, you think about practically, what does that mean? Well, imagine a a friendship where you have, um, where you've been wronged, like person treated you poorly or lied to you or didn't come through for you and you're upset about it. Well, if, if the door for you, like if what pasture is, is like being right or making sure that that person knows that they hurt you or, or being vindicated, then you're going to go through all kinds of illegitimate, you know, right doors yeah. for that. And it's going to actually cause more damage. But if you look at Jesus and you say, okay, whatever this friendship has, whether whether reconciliation is what's going to happen here or forgiveness or whether that person's going to acknowledge how they hurt me or whatever. Jesus is the door through which I'm going to get any of those things that I really want. Cause I might really want reconciliation. I might really want, you know, all those things. Well, it's going to be through Jesus, which means for in that example, it would mean, okay, then I need to respond the way that Jesus would respond. Like I need to forgive. I need to turn over, any kind of justice or vindication or whatever to God because it's his, it's not mine. I need to be humble and be able to see where I, you know, what I did to contribute. I need to be a peacemaker. I need to like, and so even though my flesh might say, yeah, but if I apologize, then they're going to think they're right. And I can't, I can't handle that. Well, in Christ I can. Right. Cause it's out of your hands. Then. You yeah. yeah. Because he knows yeah. And all I care about is okay, God, I want to honor you in this and you know exactly what happened. You know, you know down to the minute detail who is to blame for whatever this is and whose sin caused this or whose sin perpetuated this or whatever. And I want to be above reproach with you. I trust you that this is the way towards the thing that I actually want, uh, which would be, you know, reconciliation. So that's just an example of like rather than you know, manipulating the situation or trying to make a person feel guilty so that they'll apologize or, you know, give them, giving them the silent treatment so they'll know you really upset them. Mm. You know, like it's good to clearly state to somebody like, Hey, this, this upset me, you know, this, this hurt my feelings. This was disappointing. Um, but to do so humbly and in hopes of reconciliation, that's going through Jesus as the door. That's just a really practical. Yeah. I love that because think of what it would look like if, there, if you were a community that lived that way, think of it. If you were, think of think of marriages that were to operate that way. In instead of like, I feel like the uh, the the need to control the other person's um, uh, response right. to your offering forgiveness, right? Because I think we we do that sometimes. Is like, like, oh, I forgive you, and then we like sit there and wait for them to like, uh, you know, uh feel the weight of that. And sometimes they don't in the moment. It's just like letting, letting the Holy spirit work in them on the Holy spirit's timeline and not yours. Um, then releases you of control. And I think the thing that's beautiful about that is when you are released of, of kind of like how of trying to control how you expect others to react is that you are able to like, I, I feel like I have been able to, um, recognize my responsibility in situations a lot more and that God has sanctified me in that a lot more, like where I'm able to actually identify where I have sinned more in situations where I need to grow more in situations and have become more aware of, um, 
just how God is working in me. Yes. And, and what's great about that is, so if the, if I see the door to what I really want being abiding in Jesus, then imagine, so in that scenario where I'm, you know, in a, you know, a marriage tiff or a, you know, a, a fight with a friend or anything like that. If, if abiding in Jesus is the door to what I want, then I'm already satisfied in responding to them the way that is honoring to Christ. It's not the ends justify the means. I'm not actually, I'm not trying to get them, for example, to get them to understand what they did wrong and to, and to say they're sorry. Right. If that's my door to resolution and feeling satisfied and being able to let go well, then I'm going to pursue that in other ways. I'm going to, like we said, use guilt trips, or I'm gonna, and then even if I try to do it the way that Jesus, I'm still pursuing, still going through the door. But that's when it looks like, okay, I'll, but the door is you're gonna apologize. That's the only way that that we're gonna, I'm gonna get what I want here. You do all sorts you, of bad things when you try to do that, right? right? Like, and then, but what will often happen is. Um, this happens all the time when I'm dealing with conflict with people where I'll say, well, you know, how would Jesus respond to this? And often I'll get the response of, well, I tried that. It didn't work. <laughs> so that right there shows, okay, you're not going through Jesus as the door. Right. He's right. not, he's not the gatekeeper to like the pasture. You're still looking at yeah. that person apologizing and admitting that they were wrong. That's your door. You're just trying to do it in a Christian way. You're going to try God's way first to get what you want, but if that fails, then you're 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 gonna nothing good comes of that because now if that fails, now I'm going to try other means, right? Or I'm just going to be hard-hearted and angry that it didn't work, and maybe mad at God because hey, I did, I responded, I repaid evil with good, and they they responded with more evil. Well, yeah, that happens. But if Jesus is your door, then what you're saying in that moment is all that matters to me. I know that where I'm going to find peace is not like ultimately what I want here is I want peace. I want to be at peace with this. I want this to not keep me up at night. I want this to not be stewing around in my head. I want this to not make me you know, angry whenever I see this person. That's going to be found through abiding in Jesus and responding his way and letting that be the thing that you're pursuing like i'm going through christ and then if that person apologizes and asks for forgiveness then there can there there may be full reconciliation right or they may not but you still can have peace right like they because because what i'm what i'm going through is just abiding in christ that is the end in and of itself is i want to honor christ in this because think about it the other way even if imagine that you say, well, no, what I want is them to say they're sorry. Like that's the, that's the door to peace for me is them saying that they're sorry. Well, even if you get them to say they're sorry, they probably won't say it in a way that's satisfying. Most of us have the experience where we, we want, we let somebody know that they upset us. They respond with, oh, I'm, I'm really sorry. Even in the best case scenario, most of the time our responses are something along the lines of like, 
well, either it was too quick of an apology or yeah. I don't know if you really understand and or we double down on it. And like, yep. yeah, because yeah. you should be sorry because of this, this. All of that is evidence and the fruit of pursuing another door because it's not Doesn't going fulfill. to actually bring peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. only going to bring some kind of like quasi. You think that you think that you're going to get peace by them doing the thing you want or apologizing the right way, but you won't actually get it. It'll be some kind of quasi form of it that's not going to last. You're going to double down on it. It's whatever. But if you go through Christ and you say, look, where I'm going to find peace is by abiding in Jesus in this, then, and they do apologize like that, well, then you're able to forgive quickly and be like, thanks for, thanks for saying that. I really appreciate that. And, and like, hey, we're good. Because you've already gotten everything that you've already gotten the peace that you were looking for. You already found it in Christ. And when you've already found the peace that you're looking for in Christ when it comes to reconciling, then the reconciliation is, yeah, it, that's, it's much easier and it's, it's like a, yeah, it's a gift. That's great. That's great. There you go. That's, I, I got, I got nothing. It's, it's just, that's, that's, <laughs> it's encouraging and challenging. I don't know. I, I just, I am, I'm constantly challenged and reminded of my need um, to not focus in on the destination and to find like going through like Jesus as the door. Like I, that's, it's just, it's, it's good. hundred percent. And we try, like, this is a battle all the time. Like I, I deal with this in personal relationships all the time. I have to really confront myself. And I think the way that you can do that practically is to say, okay, what is it I really want? Like, so I mentioned that in the sermon, but just be learning to ask the question, okay, I want this thing, but what is it I really want? So sometimes if Lauren and I are in a disagreement, I've stopped and asked myself, what do you really want? Like what response could she give you right now that would make you, that would satisfy you? And I realized really quickly, most of the time there isn't. Like if I'm being honest with myself, I yeah. realize no, the work I need to do is I need, I need to go to Jesus to find my peace about this situation. And then that frees me to be gracious you know, to her and vice versa. And, and so this is a battle that we deal with. We deal with this in the church, right? Like we years ago made the decision in our church, for example, um, with giving to stop passing the plate. Well, part of the reason we did that is because we said, okay, what does it look like to abide in Jesus? Like to not, the, the, the pasture here is not meeting our budget. It's not having, it's not getting the most giving like that we can possibly get. We want to go through Jesus in this, which means we want we want people to to be stirred, their generosity to be stirred, and for them to to be obedient to God. And so we made a decision years ago that we're not we're not going to pass a plate. And I'm not saying that every church that passes a plate is doing that. They, don't hear that. That's not my point at all. My point is for us in this cultural context where we are what we felt to be obedient to God, we stopped passing the plate and we don't, um, you know, we don't do end of the year like rally of, hey, we just need this much more to, to meet our budget or whatever, because it's not about that. It's right. we we want to be we want to talk about money the way Jesus talks about money, which sometimes means we talk about it more directly than I even feel comfortable with because I want to, I want to address it the way Jesus addresses it. So we address it as, look, this is, this is a major idol in our lives because nothing in our culture represents 
kingdom and control, which is what our true rebellion is, is right. I want control of my own kingdom. Nothing paves the way for that more than money. Nothing tempts us to be able to believe that we are self-sufficient and that our own kingdom can thrive quite like money does. Health doesn't, you know, like there's a lot of other things that, that can contribute, but nothing does it like money. And so Jesus is constantly warning them. Like you can't, like money is so attached to your own kingdom. Like you're going to, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve both God and money. So we are going to talk about it in that way and not about like meeting a budget. Because the, the door to generosity is not making everybody feel like guilty because they should be giving more. It's not even letting people be in a situation where they're going to bail the church out you know, by giving a little extra or whatever. The door is abide in Jesus and believe him when he, how he talks about money and trust him with that and seek the kingdom first and all these things will be added unto you. And, um, and we've seen... We've seen growth in that, but even if we didn't, we would still like want to like that's the door, right? Because maybe it means we're supposed to spend less on things. Maybe it means like there's all kinds of things that could happen, but but we're not going to find what we're looking for through another door other than just being faithful to Jesus. So we struggle with this as a church when you get results oriented of like, well, more people would show up if we did X, Y, or Z, or more people would you know be interested in this way. Like, well, those aren't the path. That's not pasture. Like the, what we're seeking as a church is not, is not just more people. Like, do we want more people to come and hear the gospel? Yes. Thousand percent. But we want to, we want to go through Jesus as the door, not, you know, other means. Yeah. Well, we want to do it in the way that we would hope in a way that models what we would expect people to live their life. Right. Like if, if what we're saying if what we're saying is Jesus is the door, it matters for you in your interpersonal life, then we as right. a church need to be making decisions in the same way. And then we're satisfied in that. Like yep. my identity is not in us having the biggest church. Exactly. Yeah. And our identity is not in the success, like the numerical success of any ministry. Like if our identity is secure in Christ, then we can, then we'll be able to weather storms of whatever happens in that. But if you start pursuing other things there, so to, to, come full circle on that. It is coming back to this idea of whatever it is you're wanting, ask, what do I really want? What am I hoping that this fulfills? And then how does Jesus actually fulfill that? And then once he fulfills that, you're free, you're free to receive those other things as gifts. You're able to hold them loosely. Lauren always talks about that of holding things loosely. Like if this is a gift that God wants for me, I want to receive it and be really thankful for it. But it's only going to be received well and enjoyed the way it's intended to be enjoyed. If it's not, if it's not the door through which I'm going to find pasture, if I've already found pasture in Christ, then I'm free to enjoy that gift. And I'm also free to, I'm still satisfied even if I don't receive that gift. And so coming full circle to that and just every day and every moment, just asking those questions, what do I really want? How does Jesus fulfill this? And then trusting him that he is satisfying when we don't like, you know, your point earlier, we're not even satisfied when we, when we get yeah. it yep. because they, they can't fulfill. Like, even if you got the thing that you really want right now, it won't, it won't fully deliver on what you're hoping it'll deliver on. Right. And that's just a, that's a reality. And, and Jesus takes it a step further and he doesn't just say, well, yeah, you're going to end up empty. 
he says, no, that's actually the intentional plan of the thief. Right. And it killed his intention is to destroy. It's, there's nothing good in it. It's not neutral. The thief, the thief is not neutral. He, his intent is to steal and kill and destroy. And, um, so those are our options, but anyway, well, you good? I'm, you have anything else? No, I don't. I don't. Okay. Well, then we hope it's been helpful and encouraging to you today. If you have any questions about this, um, as you know, as we go through the series or anything else, please let us know. We love to get questions. We don't always know, like I don't always know what hits and what doesn't hit yeah. after a sermon. Yep. I love it when people ask questions of, hey, what did you mean by this? And I actually got a couple of those and I probably should have um, put them into the podcast. I just realized oh, now that there are a couple of questions, man. but I thankfully this is a two-part sermon. So they're still- We got next week. Yeah. yeah, they still are relevant there. Um, but it's so great to get those because it's helpful for me to know, okay, what what made sense? What didn't make sense? Where are we still, um, where could we use a little bit more to like more conversation around? Um, but hopefully in something like this, we just remember that whatever you want, whatever you're desiring, Jesus is the gate. Amen. He's the door through which you'll find all those things. And um, so we want to help you do that. You're not supposed to do that alone. We are a family that does that together imperfectly, but um, but it is our it is our desire to walk together in that. So help let us help you um, get connected. So help us help you get connected. Help me that's help a, you. That's a huge desire of us. So you can contact us at connect at faithpestigo.com. Talk to us on a Sunday. Give us a call, and we would love to help you get connected with other Christ followers who will be pursuing Jesus as the door. Amen. So until next time, grace and peace. Thank you.